Calvin, you've disgraced me for the last time. <laughs> Just like Gary Cooper, huh? I think the cartoon just started. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Active Podcast Incorporated. I'm your host, Laser Jane. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy and co-host. Hey, it's Kai. How's it going, everybody? Yep. And uh, the double dose of Inuyasha this week. Uh, we are... We talked about this, you know, we've made mention of it before, but we had a, a lost episode. Uh, we'd recorded an episode that was about uh, Demon Slayer and the first season of... Uh, in Yasha, and then audio got lost or corrupted or something like that and uh we couldn't put it out and so nope. i am very excited to do uh a mugen train with uh, the first season of jujutsu kaisen later this season uh and i figured we'd use that to recap our feelings about the first season of uh, demon slayer as well mm-hmm and Kai loves Inuyasha, and I don't. So I figured we should do Inuyasha first. I mean, uh, I also love Demon Slayer. Well, yes, so. but you you have much stronger feelings about Inuyasha. Yeah. It, it, and I have a complete it, absence of feelings about Inuyasha. Well, we will get into that. And also, every good show needs a lost episode, don't you know? Yeah. <clears throat> but we're covering that ground now, so. Yeah. But you might, who knows? You people might have missed some jokes in the last episode. You'll never know. Yeah, I don't even. I mean, I have my audio still, but I barely remember what we. I remember some of the points we went over, but like it's yeah, all I, a blur. Yeah, I really don't remember either. Uh, but yeah, before we can get to that, we gotta take care of our weeks and upkeep. Uh, so we'll start with our week. Uh, Kai, how how you? How you, what you do? Oh, uh, well, um, I remember mentioning last time that I was watching the record of Ragnarok anime. Yes. Uh, finished that. It's up to the Kojiro and Poseidon fight. Man, is that anime disappointing. That sucks. It's so... It could have been really hype. Oh, and it's... It, I was super excited for it because the manga is so hype. And the anime had a big potential to, like, make more people check out the manga. Because, mm. like, a really hype anime can, like, make a manga fly off the shelves. Yeah. Uh, see Demon Slayer and Jujutsu. Yeah. You know? For sure. Anime is great marketing for the manga that it's adapting. But... But besides that, because I was because I was so disappointed with the anime, I was like, I haven't caught up in a while with um, Record of Ragnarok, the actual manga. Mm. So I, when the last time I read, they had just started the Shiva and Raiden fight. Mm. So I watched, I read the entirety of the Shiva Raiden fight, okay. and then also all the way up to the current 
chapter, which is still in the middle of uh, Buddha versus um, Zero Fuku. Yeah. And yeah, Record of Ragnarok is still good, shocking no one. Yeah, I mean it. It's just some hype ass fights and yeah, a little you know, cultural insensitivity, but uh... yeah, I. I I had to like when they got to the Buddha fight and you know how like they have the sections of the manga where it's like historical figures and other people commenting on the fight. Yeah. I had to like get up and walk away when Jesus showed up. Yeah. In the crowd and I'm like alright I need to I need a minute. <laughs> like <laughs> can't believe that shit. <sighs> Uh, I I thought they were gonna. I thought I I thought Adam was gonna be the only like thing we were gonna get from like Judeo the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible slash Judeo Christian. The, the Abrahamic, Abrahamic faiths. Yeah. Yeah, Abrahamic faith. I thought, but here we are. Yeah. And he's hanging out with Socrates and fucking uh, Confucius. Yep. And I'm just like, all right. This is, this is record of Ragnarok, all right. Yep. But um, wasn't there, wasn't there like a a browser game called Record of Ragnarok? Isn't this like actually like Shimatsu no Valkyrie or something? Well, Record of Ragnarok is like the um, English name, mm-hmm. and like Shimatsu no Valkyrie, it's, it's like the Japanese it's, name, but. Yeah, and it, it but it's also called the full to- Shimatsu no Valkyrie uh, colon Record of Ragnarok. So a lot of people just call it Record of Ragnarok. Okay. I was thinking of uh, Ragnarok Online. Oh, yeah. That was that wasn't that was that was never there for Ragnarok Online. I wasn't there for fucking. Um, what was the other one that was really big at that time? Uh, RuneScape? Runes, yeah, I was... I missed out on that shit. Even though it was, it was of my time, it wasn't. Yeah, it was never... I, I never played either of those. Um, but I at one point had the first volume of the manga for the Ragnarok Online manga. Mm. Uh, I think I gave it away mm. to someone because it was dumb as shit. Gaia Online. That oh, Gaia. I was on Gaia Online, but I wasn't there for the game. I was there for the forums. A lot of people were there for the forums, and a lot of people were there to fucking RP. That's why I was there. In the forums. In the forums. Yeah. Yep. Um, but... I've, I think we've talked about Record of Ragnarok multiple times on the show. If you haven't read it, go read it. Yeah, it, it it's it's one of the it's one of the better action mangas out there right now. It it's a really stupid concept, but in that mm-hmm. stupid concept, it is brilliant. It is like you're not okay. I'm gonna say this about Record of Ragnarok. When I say it's really good, I'm you're not gonna find a high art in Record of Ragnarok. Ooh. Record of Ragnarok is fucking stupid. It is dumb and brainless, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, not to detract from the art, which actually is the art of the manga itself is great. 
But um, anyway. And then I also caught up with uh, Kaiju number eight. Right on. Fuck, Kaiju number eight so good. Yeah, it's good as hell, man. Oh, I'm glad we got the, um, by the way, for those of you who haven't caught up, spoilers. Just gonna. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, I'm so glad we got the uh, reveal of him being the humanoid kaiju yeah. right early on in the manga out of the way because I was like, you know, I, I I was waiting for the motions, you know, like they discover yeah. him and capture him and then you question him, blah, blah, blah. We've, we've done this song and dance. I want to get it over with. Yeah. I feel like every comic writer has gotten that whole uh, secret identity shit out of their system because even in Marvel comics, you're seeing like the new teenage heroes kind of revealing to their parents what what they're mm-hmm. doing, and their parents being like, "Okay, this isn't this isn't great, but I understand you got to do it." And all all sparked by Mister Jaime Reyes. Yeah, Jaime Jaime is the 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 original teenage hero who's like, "Hey, mom, dad, I'm a superhero." <laughs> great fucking yeah. i love that run of i love that run of the blue beetle yeah really is good but um kaiju number eight continues to be super fucking hype i'm glad we're getting more of the uh uh kaiju destruct the the uh i forget what the actual name of them is the the corpse and their sort of like unique ability that they have as opposed to like the, oh yeah the main dude just beating up the monster yeah Dude, the, the the vice commander and yeah, the with, commander, with the sword. yeah, yeah, and then uh, oh, I forgot the 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 teenager's dad. Yeah, with the uh fucking pile bunkers. Yeah, oh, the dual pile bunkers, just goddamn. Yeah, <sighs> real fucking good. And then Red um, shit. I love that the uh, I forget her name, the Mina, I think the main captain mm-hmm. of the the is uh. Her cannon is so powerful. She has a fucking tiger bracing her. Yeah. When she fires it. Yeah. That's so fucking stupid. It really is, but goddamn, it's awesome. It. I really hope this gets an anime. It's gotta. It, like it, a, and a good a good anime. Yeah. It needs. It, it deserves it. It really does. It it needs good ass animation. I just think they need to buffer the manga out a little more. Oh yeah, no, the manga needs to go on a little more before we can think about an anime, but I'm looking forward to the possibility of an anime happening eventually. Yeah, because I, I just, I'm always worried about another uh, <clears throat> FMA 2003 or Soul Eater situation. Yeah, although Soul Eater came out better than that in, in the long, because I actually really like the Soul Eater anime. You're the but, first person I've heard to take that stance, honestly. I, 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 I never the fin- anime. I never finished the manga. I never finished the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I don't have an actual opinion. I just know everyone I've talked to up until you has been like, yeah, the anime takes a spiral in it because they caught up to the manga too fast. Uh, it It does, but like, and the manga is better. I'm not gonna don't get it twisted. The manga is better, but there's a lot of cool shit in the anime. 
I don't doubt it. Like everything about that screams just rule of cool, you know? It is. It's literally just um, rule of cool. Same with the, his other thing, Fire Force. Yeah. Um, the only reason I dropped off the anime because that that was when I was able to watch anime as it comes out. I I can't do that anymore for some reason. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in the world of binging nowadays. I was still binging then, though. It because mm-hmm. I had internet. I had high speed internet access in my room. I I I binged pretty. I, I was binging mm-hmm. already. Um, also, it was the aughts, so you know we had much less uh youtube was much more wild you know yeah you could watch an entire anime in like like it was each episode separated into like three yeah yeah um fucking 240p yeah but i mean there was even the (laughs) uh the beginning of like they started out as like live journals or like blog uh blogs but they evolved into their own websites that were just hosting Scanlation, or not scanlations, but fans, uh, fan subs. Yeah, yeah. It, it was early age of that. Um, or at least the early age of the streamlining of that, because there, there's been stuff like that for a lot longer than that, but still. Um, I think I fell off it because I got to a point I was like, this feels very... It, it just... There was like a tonal dissonance between the part that the animation studio came up with and the part that was from the manga. Oh yeah, there is. It, it it was jarring enough that it um it turned me off. Fair. Like I'm not I'm not gonna try and like I that's why I say I like the Soul Eater anime. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm looking I'm forward not, to I've, doing it on the oh show. Yeah, I, I, I definitely I, want to talk about it. I do want to finish it. I also want to finish the manga. Um Yeah, but, I, I'm probably gonna while we do the anime, I'm probably going to go and, and finish the manga as well. Honestly, yeah. Or I'll do it, like, the day after we record or something like that. But Yeah, because I, I know that the manga ended, and I am and I know some of the stuff that happens, and I'm very curious, honestly. Yeah. But, um, anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, go read Kaiju number eight. If we, uh, please, everybody go read it. It's yeah. really good. Uh, next thing is... Uh, the last two episodes of Odd Taxi came out. Yeah, please no spoilers, but goddamn. I'm not, no, there will be no spoilers here. I already talked about why Odd Taxi is great on the last episode, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, or whenever I talked about Odd Taxi, but. I think it was two episodes ago. Yeah, uh, Odd Taxi is only 13 episodes. Um,. My point still stands about if you don't like dialogue-heavy shows, you won't really like this show because it is just all dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's all... You have to really dig the dialogue and really get entranced by the characters. And if that doesn't do it for you, this anime is not going to do it for you. Okay. Uh, but I do want to say one thing without spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. The final episode of Odd Taxi is... Oh, <laughs> I. It's a doozy. It's a real doozy. Yeah. It hits. It hits real hard, and you you like there are. There are hints about it, it, it coming, mm-hmm. but I didn't 
see it. And it's it's great. It blew my mind in the best way possible. Excellent. And so you know like I I wanna give like Odd Taxi like an eight out eight point five out of ten. It's not perfect because it's very niche, but it's a really good show. Alrighty. I highly recommend it. Especially right. if you like that sort of thing. Um, um, anything else? The other, oh, okay. uh, the other three, th the other three, three, three things were YouTube stuff. Okay. Uh, one, uh, I just some of them are, I just want to give shout outs to. Uh, one is an, a video essay by Lava Pasta called "The Cinematography of Gendy Tartakovsky." Mm -hmm. Very good. It's like a twenty-minute video, and it's just going through Gendy's career and his evolution as a director. This ties into and... a news story. Really? Does it? Oh, right. Uh, the the, the pop Sony uh, Popeye film directed by Gendy Tartakovsky is uh, back in production. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. My crops are watered. My skin is clear. <laughs> like, funnily, actually, um, the Lava Pasta mentions this, that, like, Gendy got his start working under one of the guys who worked on Popeye. That that that's nice. That I like that. I like that a lot. Mhm. Mm it it comes full circle. Yeah. It really reads in his like his, the, the way he does motion. It really yeah. screams of that Fleischer-esqueness. Yeah, but um, the most one of the I mean, it's it's mostly stuff I'm like, yeah, I I I knew all this stuff, but it's interesting here it compiled. The most interesting thing that I didn't know about in that video is uh, when you're talking about um, sorry about that the uh, Dexter's Lab original like student film. Oh yeah, yeah, I thought that was super cool. But he goes all the way. He goes through everything: Clone Wars, Samurai Jack, and. Transylvania, Symbionic Titan, and just his general evolution as a director of action and cinematography. Very good video. Right on. Um, the other one is uh, Lindsay Ellis's video, by the way. If, you, if you're not subscribed to Lindsay Ellis, everybody go subscribe to Lindsay Ellis. <laughs> Lindsay Ellis is amazing. Okay. She, re she recently did a video... Uh, Reevaluating the Little Mermaid. Oh. Very good video. Highly, it's it's almost it's like not just reevaluating the Little Mermaid as a product, but sort of like taking a dig at like the mid two thousand slash like two thousand ten ish seven ish of like unnecessary like just really shallow criticism of Disney princess films. Okay. That was just really popular at the time that yeah. people were just it just felt like, oh, we're gonna hate on it because it's popular and it's you know like yeah. not to say that some of that le not it's not to say that and she points out that there's not there's nothing some of that criticism is legitimate criticism, but she feels that people just sort of like it's very one dimensional criticism. There's no nuance to it. We had sort of moved into an era where things that were perceived as traditionally girly were 
shat upon a certain type mm-hmm. of feminist. Um, yeah, like, and, God, and, why would you want? Like, why would you want to be a mother? It's so shitty. Yeah, yeah. It, it there there is. It's it's about choice. Like, it, it we're, is. It we're is not we're not qualified to talk about. We that, are not. But, but, uh, yeah. It she is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she is. So go watch her video. Yeah. Um, it's mainly interesting because it's that and all she she talks about the hashtag that gay shit. Ah. And you know not just uh, Ursula but like the uh, how the Little Mermaid not just the book and the film has like a very uh, there's some LGBT undertone for <laughs> sure. Not being accepted for who you are, wanting to be somebody else, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. There's like a real big trans vibes, especially in the Disney film. Yeah. But very good video. Check it out. Also, just check out her other stuff. She's great. Last one is um, Mr. Linkara, uh, Mr. Atop the Fourth Wall himself. Alenkara uh, is a comic book reviewer, one of the very few uh, people who exited uh, thatguywiththeglasses.com that I still watch. But he does, every year he does like a retrospective of a comic series. Uh, he did like the, he did the, all of the Blue Beetle. Not just Jaime, not just Ted Core, but like the OG Blue Beetle, all the way like throughout the entire history of the Blue Beetle. He did Rom Space Knight. Uh, he did the Teen Titans, and the most recent one he did, which I watched, was uh, the Marvel run of the Transformers comic called Marvel Then Meets the Eye. Okay. Um, it's just really interesting learning about that comic because I've always been curious about the Marvel Transformers comics before they went over to IDW. And there's some cool stuff in there, and Linkara is pretty entertaining. If you like that sort of thing, check out that and all of his other retrospectives. Yeah. Especially, especially Rom Space Knight. I, I would really like to see the Rom the Space Knight one because uh, Rom the Space Knight is relevant in X Men again, uh, and I I just have a vague awareness of Rom the Space Knight. I know nothing concrete, so I, I'm interested in seeing that video. Um, there, yeah, Linkara uh, is one of those people um, where he's very informative, but his jokes never get more than a sensible chuckle. Mm. But you're kind of smiling the entire time. Like you're, it's entertaining. It's engrossing. I'm looking more for information of, than laughs in this case. So yeah, then you're gonna get that with his retrospective for yeah. sure. There, uh, you know that sort of thing. His if you want like com, if you want like him attempting more comedy, that's his like general reviews. Got it. But but uh, there are jokes here and there in his retrospectives just because that's who he is. But if you want to know about these specific things, highly recommend. And of course, his most famous one is History of Power Rangers, uh, which I love. I feel like I've and... seen that one. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I wanted to say though the um, 
the hit the 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 Hasbro Marvel connection from the early '80s is absolutely fascinating. I'm sorry if you hear that. I think people in my neighborhood are setting off fireworks. I don't hear it. Okay, I keep hearing a pop, like a like like a loud like. Don't. No. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's fireworks. I hear. I can definitely. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Anyway. Um. If you don't hear it, that's great. But it might be coming through on my mic. Uh. On on the audio recording. So. I'm going to apologize now. I'll try to clean it up as best I can, but some will pop through like the thunder last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the Hasbro Marvel connection with the Transformers comics, and then they also did the uh, the the GI Joe one. I mean, hell, Larry Hama is responsible for creating the characters of GI Joe, a real American hero, really. Yeah, and then. Uh, Marvel wrote the storyline for the Transformers cartoon. Yeah. Teaming up with Sunbow and doing all that. Yeah. And are they the one... Did they also do the He-Man one or did DC do those? I... um, Because the the He-Man action figures back in the day used to come with a comic. Like a little mini comic. I think that might have been DC. Yeah. Think that might have been. I'm gonna look it up right now. Because I don't think Mattel had to deal with Marvel. Mattel had to deal with DC. Uh, Mattel made a lot of the um, the DC toys at that time, I believe. But don't you know? Don't quote me on that. They were written by Don Glut and illustrated by Alfred Alfredo P. Alcala, first four stories in the booklet were. Uh, yeah, it it didn't start out as DC, but it did become DC. That uh, makes sense. Yeah. I've I've seen screenshots of like He Man fighting Superman. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the original, like the 1981, the ones that came with the first wave, had no resemblance to the cartoon at all. Uh, he, he, uh, but then in 82, they started to put up more comics that more closely resembled the cartoon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yep. And that's it for me. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. My week. Uh, I read all of Chainsaw Man. Yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, that 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 that's very good. I'm looking forward to the anime. I'm also looking forward to part two of that. I am. I'm glad that what I've heard is true, and I'm looking forward to also checking out the manga. Yeah. Uh, I also, you you put me on this next one, but I. I also read Blue Lock. Okay, I'm I'm super interested to hear about because I didn't I had never heard of this until now, so I'm super interested to hear your opinion about it. Yeah. Um. I, it's super captivating. I just don't you wanna... believe you should adopt the philosophy of this manga. Oh yeah. Do you want to give the people? A... 
a general yeah yeah um so blue lock is a sports manga about soccer uh and the premise is uh japan is upset that they haven't been winning uh the world cups and the people who own the uh the company that owns the japanese soccer league basically uh don't really care about winning the world cup they just care about making money and putting out like faces that they can market yeah uh but there's some people within there that are like no i want to see japan win the world cup and so they get their way and they establish and they're basically their philosophy is the only, the reason why that this is direct quotes from the manga not my beliefs the reason japan can only really compete on the world stage against other countries in baseball is that it's a very individualistic sport everyone knows their job it, it's very segmented you really only have to do one thing and there's different it it's a clear divide between offense and defense and their society is structured in a way that it their mindset their cultural mindset is predisposition to that sort of thing whereas something like soccer or football or basketball is far more chaotic and the delineation between offense and defense is much more in flux constantly uh and so while the thing that is required in specifically soccer is an egoist to be the striker to be the one to score the points um you don't need someone who's good at teamwork you need someone who wants to win not for the team but for their own personal glory they want to be the main character on that pitch um and so they create a school they get a bunch of high schoolers from across the nation who have the potential to be a, a, the best striker in the world. And they put them in this hellish prison-like school, and they make them just do soccer all day, and they're competing to become the best soccer player, the best striker in the world. Uh, and it's all about like getting them to lean into their more selfish, egotistical tendencies that they they fight against because they believe in things like teamwork and fraternity and all the things you usually see in sports manga that makes sports manga great um as a fan of sports manga i kind of hate this because i love that that thing but it's just so fucking captivating that i can't look away and i just i i, I can't wait for the next chapter to that's a glowing review, I want to say. Because you, like you said, you that the thing that this manga is trying to like fight against is one of the things you like about sports manga the most. And yet, the manga is so good. Yeah. You, you're still hooked. Yeah. Uh, I find it morally reprehensible. But I, I can't look away. Absolutely, absolutely. It... It's clear from the staging to the, the the way the camera looks at people, and to the way even the the character's monologue, like internal monologue, is going that like this is fucked up. But I love it. 
Uh, yeah. It's oh, it's so good. There's literally one part where uh, the main character wins at the direct cost of other people, and he just thinks to himself, I love this feeling. Mm-hmm. God, that's fucked up, but I love this feeling. Yeah. To win, I have to crush other people's dreams. Yeah, it, it's super... Which, it, mm. which, to be fair, is kind of true. Yeah. To win at sports, you you beating someone at a sport, you are crushing their dream. Yeah. It's just other sports manga usually is, like, more kind about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that's like... something almost every sports manga covers at some point because they, like, mm-hmm. at least lately, the last few de- last decade or so, they like to treat one opponent that you find endearing and would be the protagonist of their own sports manga. Yeah. I think that's an interesting dichotomy that Blue Lock creates, because it's like it it's it 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 sounds like what it's trying to do is take this one aspect that other sports manga lotly touch upon and just revel in it. Yeah. Um. I will say it does get to a point where. It kind of backs down a little bit from that. Mm. Uh, but even then, the plot justification of it backing down from that a little bit is really fucking good. Um, mm. I don't want to give anything away because I know you're planning on reading this. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I, I was um, very curious about your opinion. Now I, I, now I really want to read this manga. Yeah. And I know the reason you wanted to read it in the first place is because the uh, artist used to be an assistant for uh, Tite Kubo on Bleach, and ooh, it just has those Bleachisms. There's one character that just looks like Ichigo. Yeah, like, Just I've straight up. Ichigo with an undercut. Uh, yeah. Also, the other thing that drew me to it was, like, it's the Tite Kuboism, but it also is kind of its own thing, kind of, is I've seen, I've also seen certain screenshots, like, God, this fucking manga looks intense. It, it really fucking is. Uh... I, I read it all in one day again, and oh my god, oh my god, mm-hmm. fucking Gripping. hell! Yeah. Um, all right, cool, 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 cool. Thumbs yeah. up for Blue Lock. Yeah. Uh, the next thing is, uh, I fucking love Big City Greens. I I think that might be oh. my new favorite show. I have not touched Big City Greens, but I've always been curious. So here's the thing. Um, the last few weeks, I have tried to... Uh, I, I missed last week, but the week before and this week, I, I have tried to catch Owl House as it airs. Oh, um, yeah. And the easiest way for me to do that is just tune in as soon as I wake up, even though I wake up at 8 and it doesn't air till 10. And yeah. for like the entire time until that, it's just Big City Greens, and it's such a good show. Its ex- its only existence is to make you laugh, and it does it so well. 
the only clip I've seen from Big City Greens is Griffin McElroy playing the pepper bender. Yeah, that that's a pretty good scene. That that that's a pretty good episode. Um that that's actually a pretty important plot episode, believe it or not, because there is sort of it, it does the thing that a lot of episodic shows do where you get like one or two plot episodes every just to create yeah. a sweep season episode, you know, to yeah, generate yeah, yeah. ratings and to yeah. give an illusion of plot. But it, it's um to create stakes. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's so good. And uh, the voice actress who plays Sasha also appears in this. Uh, Sasha in Amphibia. I, I can't mm-hmm. remember the actress's name, but she's also in this where she plays the barista at the coffee house next door to where the Greens live, where uh, where Cricket also works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is just the millennial experience. She's very tired and very... She's like millennial Squidward. Uh, I love her already. Yeah. She's, she went to art school and she's struggling to uh, make it as an artist, but she has to work as a barista because she needs to pay her rent. And (laughs) in the episode I watched today, that's at the end of season two. um, One of the episodes I watched today, she actually, uh, the coffee shop gets shut down because of reasons. And then she gets a job at the place that replaces it. And then to help the Greens, she loses that job. And so she's like, yeah, I need to pay rent. I can't afford my apartment, so I'm moving in with you guys. And now she just lives with the Greens. And it, it's perfect because she's one of the best characters on that show. Good. Um, and her dynamic with Cricket and uh, the, the rest of the Greens is fantastic. One episode was just... Um, her parents come to visit and she has to convince them that she's stable because she's been lying to them for years that she's been working as a freelance illustrator. Mm. And that's a lie. And mm-hmm. she's getting sick of her parents always telling her how well her cousin Emily is doing. Oh my God. Because uh, her cousin Emily just bought a house. Uh, so Cricket and Tilly go on this escapade of convincing her parents that nah this is her house she li- she owns this house and she goes on board and like uh we're, we're her kids yeah and oh uh, no and and uh our dad's the gardener who's her husband and and our granny's the maid and, and yeah it, it, it oh it's so good i, I fucking love it it's just it only exists to make you laugh. It definitely has some like heartwarming, uh, like lesson times. Yeah, yeah. But it's there's like no stakes. It's just to make you laugh. I that's my favorite type of show. Okay. Uh, Big City Greens is a must watch. That that's. Mm. Uh, what else? I will have to have to watch it. Yeah. On the other end of that sh- uh, spectrum of shows that exist just to make you laugh, I watched the first 
episode of the Patrick Star Show, literally right uh, before we recorded. Uh, why? <laughs> I was curious. I, I I had to. I had to see, and uh, it's only one episode, so I don't have a lot to work off of. But it feels like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Hmm. And I liked Pee Wee's Playhouse growing up. Um, it definitely feels like they're going for a Pee Wee's Playhouse vibe somewhat. Hmm. It it's just the only thing is it's utterly stupid. Like well, Pee Wee's yeah. Playhouse had a little bit of funny. Like it, you know what? I have not seen Pee Wee's Playhouse since before I had two digits in my age, so I can't really comment on Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> uh uh but yeah no it's just it just it it i'm willing to keep watching it just to see where it goes uh more morbid curiosity not even it it's hmm. genuine curiosity um because hmm. i did chuckle a couple times this episode the it does the 210 minute episode things oh yeah like uh, spongebob yeah yeah spongebob showed up in it like, he well, was there yeah. for most of the second half of the show. I mean, I'd be shocked if you didn't show up occasionally. I didn't expect uh, SpongeBob to show up. I really didn't. I, I thought it was going to be Patrick's in a new town. Uh, yeah. Is that that other one coming out, too? The, the other spinoff? I think that's already out. Oh, is it? Camp Coral? Yeah, I think that already started. Yeah. Uh... I have not watched I, that. I'm not interested in that. I okay. I'm not interested in that. You know what I? You know what thing I hate a, in that show that bugs the shit out of me, and no one like. This is one of those things that, like who cares? But mm-hmm. I care, and that's like that. Sandy knows SpongeBob. Yeah, when they were no, kids. Which yeah, is, that's no. That's not true. Sandy met SpongeBob in the actual show. They didn't know each other when they were kids. Learn the lore, idiot. That's I needless, needless griping. It's it just irks me for some reason. And but I know now they a, can do, they can do the stupid. anime trope of they made a childhood promise that they forgot about. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> End me. <laughs> God. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, I hate you. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, oh, I finished Dark Run. Uh, oh. that, that, that sci-fi book I was reading by... Uh, hold on. by Mike Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good. It, it was real solid. Um, hmm. I, I still can't say whether I think he did a good job with the representation. But he tried. Yeah, I, I think he definitely tried. And I think he was aware that he probably, or he potentially didn't do a good job, and that's why he started out with an apology. 
Uh, I appreciate the effort. Yeah. Uh, and the honesty. Yeah. I'm probably going to read the sequel. If I can find the sequel, I will probably read it. Well, I'm still uh, reading um, Mort. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'll, I'll give more thoughts on that when I actually finish it. Okay. Uh, I, I'll say this. I didn't really predict much of what happened in that book. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I will also say I wasn't really putting any mental energy into trying to predict what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, you're, just on, you're just there for the ride. Yeah. Uh, usually when I find a book really engaging, I'll be thinking about it even when I put it down. I didn't really think about this all that much. Um, do you... Do you like horror? You don't like horror, do you? I like, like horror books. Uh, oh, then... um, you, you, I, you know what book I really recommend? Is, what? um... Uh, fuck, it was... What was it called? Uh, I have it up here somewhere. Oh, uh, uh, what the fuck was it called? I gotta look at my bookshelf. Uh, Nocturnal by Scott Sigler. Okay. Uh, the uh, the books, at least starting premise, is about a cop and. He keep there, he's solving a bunch of mysterious murders, and he also keeps having nightmares about being a monster that uh, that kills people with other monsters and seeing visions of these murders before they happen. Mm. And he starts to wonder if he's a monster dreaming he's a man. Interesting. And it goes from there. And it starts off, like, really psychological and, like, it's like a buddy cop detective thing. And then it becomes, like, urban fantasy horror. What did you say the name was again? Uh, Nocturnal by Scott Sigler. Scott Sigler. Okay. I'll look into that. It It was really good. I I read it in, like, a couple of days. It was very engaging. Right on. But, um, uh, yeah. Is there anything else? Oh, I've been playing Code Vein. Oh, yeah, I've been seeing you playing that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't touched really it in a, a few days. Not really a fan. Yeah, I can definitely understand why. Um, I've made it funny by making my character an old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my internal logic is... Well, okay, for starters... Okay. It's not a very good souls like. I find it's far too forgiving. I think if I didn't if you didn't play with the partner characters, it'd be much harder. Yeah. My main thing is it doesn't this is really hard to explain without actually playing the game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good to hit things. The combat it, has yeah. no weight. It it feels like every anime game. Yeah. Souls has weight. It feels good to hit things in Souls. But not in Vein. Yeah. Um, I I feel like of the anime games that's that don't that that have that hard like 
the lack of weight behind their fighting. It does a better job than, say, the uh, Clash of... Not the Clash of... The uh, Ultimate Ninja games or the... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, My Hero yeah. uh, One Justice or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it does, it does have a sense of weight in its hits somewhat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh but I will say I've been using light weapons. I, I I'm I'm a dex build guy, mm-hmm. um, so it doesn't feel as jarring. Like if I was using a ha- when I've tried using a hammer, yeah, it it feels bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably why I'm using dex weapons. I've I've mainly been using a spear, uh, or a gun. The gun actually feels pretty good. Um, yeah, and that makes me sad because I like. Oonga Boonga, big, big weapon. Yeah. I like big weapons. I'm Oonga Boonga, but with the dex weapons. Oonga Boonga dex is weird, but mm. it, it is my play style. Mm-hmm. It's just rush down. It, it's Oonga Boonga dex is just face fuck them and go real fast. Yeah. Um, I want to hit them twice and then for them to die. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want, like, the Kirk Hammer and Bloodborne. Mm. Yeah. Feels good. I was... I never made it far enough in Dark in Bloodborne. Bloodborne was one I really struggled with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more fast-paced than previous Souls. Yeah. Um, it engenders like, being aggressive. Yeah, uh, which... Kind of sucks because I I'm a sword and board guy. I, I I am a turtler like there, there's they no act, getting around. They actively make fun of you for using a shield in that game. Yeah, um, at least in like Dark Souls three, I'm a turtler for a little bit until I get the dual spears. Oh, the Drang twin spears. Yeah, th- those are my favorite weapon in that yeah. game. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Code Vein. Um, it's interesting how it feels like they didn't want to give you a character creator. Mm. Because in the cutscenes, your character is always in the background. Mm-hmm. It always focuses on your companions because your companions are the ones who can talk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, but like, at least stuff like other games with silent protagonists, at least like sort of make it be like uh, make it seem like you're in charge and they're just sort of like you know what I mean? Like it it still focuses on you. I I get what you mean. Yeah, this is just like, no, Louie's in charge. Yakumo's the second in charge. Mia has something to do with something, even though you were there before her. Uh, you're just kind of there. And mm-hmm. you do all the work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fun enough. I don't think I'll get back to it, though. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a couple days, and I'm not feeling it. I'm thinking we're going to... I'm either going to try to get back to Dragon Quest, or I'm going to try something else. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's me. Uh, so, uh, upkeep.
Oh, one thing before we get into upkeep. Uh, just to amend, because we're recording on a new day. Uh, between our recording session the last day and today, I watched the first two episodes of uh, Monsters at Work. Oh. Uh, it seems to be about as good as Monsters, Inc. and Monster University. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's on par with those. Like, I mean, so far, it they got uh, Billy Crystal and John Goodman back. They they don't play a major role, but they 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 were in both episodes. Seems pretty good. I'm going to keep an I eye mean, on it. Yeah, I I can't imagine having John Goodman and Billy Crystal on call at all times is cheap. Yeah, no, it yeah, it, the show's not about them anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's about the the new character. Yeah, t- Tyler, and yeah, 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 the, the people down at the Mift. Mift, Mift, yeah. Uh, seems fun. Uh, that that's mm-hmm. all for that. All right, so now properly upkeep. Uh, keeping up appearances, season two, episode four, and hmm, uh, I'm looking on the I'm looking on the Hulu listing, and it lists mm-hmm. keeping up appearances as episode four, and it lists looking through the or through the looking glass ruins as episode seven. Weird, but that's not how they were released in order. But we're talking about them in the order they were released. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, through the Looking Grass Bruins is episode five of season two. Yeah, uh, could be a difference between production order and airing order. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, in case it wasn't obvious, Owl, Owl House. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Well, Owl House is all we have in upkeep anymore. We it, we kind of yeah, dropped and, and, Spider and Skate. Yeah. And Amphibia's on break, so... Amphibia's on break. Uh, I did finish Skate. It's good. You should you should finish it. Uh, we'll do it for the show one day. And I'll watch it then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And same with Spider. I, uh, maybe we won't with Spider, but I'll finish Spider anyway. Yeah, Spider, Spider is good. Spider finished. Yeah. Uh, I'll wait and for the dub. Um... Oh, yeah. It's just easier for me to consider. I've decided... I think in the future we shouldn't do anime in upkeep, just because I it's impossible for me to stay on top of anime as it releases. Yeah, only anime for um, the actual show. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Because uh, I keep falling off anime as it releases. So. Yeah, because of your like your thing with subs and shit. Yeah. It, it's my ADHD. It, it's literally just yeah, yeah. my ADHD. No, um, I get it. It's, yeah. It's totally understandable. Yeah. But anyway, keeping up appearances. Yeah. Uh, we meet uh, Gwen Clawthorn, Ida and Lilith's mom. G-Milf, G-Milf, G-Milf. Yeah. Uh, big buff scarred. Well, not big, but buff and scarred. Uh, My kind of woman. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's. Uh, y- you go off. You go off. No, no, I was, I just, I really like her, and I'm glad we finally got to meet her. Yeah. Because we, Lilith and Ida have never really, like, talked about their, their family. family all that. Yeah. yeah, like, at all. So, it's nice to finally see what the deal with their family is. Yeah. We don't know, we don't know about the dad. We just met. Um, I'm looking forward to eventually, hopefully eventually seeing the dad. Because yeah, he we is probably still will. Yeah. yeah, he's still around, and we probably will see him at some point, maybe later in the season. Yeah. 
but um yeah the main thing that this episode uh other than like the, new age medicine thank god yeah the that's such a good like um you know you know uh, an older person in your family who is into this sort of thing or you've known an older person in your life who is into this sort of thing I'm not just... close enough with my extended family and my mom's a doctor so she's definitely not oh, yeah. on this shit but... Um, mm. but I know people whose parents are yeah like goddamn. You... yeah second hand or whatever like these these people do exist yeah unfortunately and, but it's also easy to see how she got. Um, She's looking for into. any sort of hope. Yeah, and and that's how they get you. Yeah, any sort of hope, and also like taking advantage of um, people who are desperate for any kind of answers. Yeah, because they've been let down by the traditional methods. That's what all shysters look out for. Yeah, but. I think the my the thing that I wasn't expecting was the fact that Ida and Lilith, even though they've shed the curse, they're still like have the chance of transforming. It's just the elixir works again. Yeah, it, it lessened like, the symptoms, but it spread them out. Yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, didn't I didn't consider that aspect of it because we, it, there's been no indication up until this point that that's the case but I guess this is the episode where you find out yeah and then of course we get to see monster Lilith she big she she's big, big and way scarier yeah she's way scarier I I actually like her design more yeah than um Ida's monster form yeah Ida seemed to conquer the monster a little bit this episode um, yeah I, I'm curious if that's gonna be like carried forward thing. Yeah. yeah. Like being able to do it at will or something. She's gone from Hulk to Smart Hulk. Yeah, that could be interesting. But um there's the other thing that I really liked about this episode was uh was it, we got more again we got more with Lilith. Lilith's uh mommy issues and how <laughs> she always wanted her mom's attention and Ida always had it mm-hmm. yeah it's a lot about her character really oh yeah that's that's teacher pet to a degree to to a t she craves any form of validation from an authority figure yep because she never got it from her mother because she was and, so self-sufficient which is i mean bullshit. i get it, it yeah it yeah. It's like she was so focused on helping Ida, who was literally cursed and turning into a monster, that she didn't realize she I was ignoring her other daughter. I feel like it goes earlier than that, though, is the thing. Mm. Yeah. Because they always. Because they. The thing that led to Lilith cursing Ida was their highly competitive air. And. Lilith mm-hmm. probably was seen as more self-sufficient growing up because of that. Yeah, she was the straight A student. She was the the good egg. The she older sister. T- 
Yeah, she's the older one. She didn't need her, like, subconsciously, their mother probably thought, oh, she doesn't need my attention or help. She's she's doing fine on her own. It's yeah. Sita who needs all the help because she's a bad girl. She constantly causes trouble. You know? Yeah. yeah. And you can see how that would easily happen. Absolutely. Also, I after that episode, immediately everybody uh, did redraws of the, the scene with um, uh, the mother holding Lilith and just like that, the the cheetah touch starve meme. <laughs> it's so applicable <laughs> to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. I I kind of hate that Lilith uh, is no longer main cast because yeah that, that she needed more screen time. Uh, yeah. Fucking love how devastated Hootie was. Yeah. I can't write, though. <laughs> it was a really great comic that someone drew of um, Hootie um, basically asking Luce to take a letter. <laughs> really funny. Yeah. Very in character. Yeah, it was. Yeah, hopefully she's not gone for too long. Or, you know what? I hope we get a a, a B plot, uh, where it's like, what's she up to somewhere in these episodes? We probably will. Yeah, I'd also I wouldn't mind a visit to the Clawthorn home. Oh yeah, we're probably gonna get that sometime this season. Yeah. Like, something happens and Ida decides to go see her. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. I'm interested. We're very early in this season. We really are. Five episodes in. So. Uh, tw- and there's supposed to be 21 episodes in this season? Something like that, yeah. So a lot a lot can happen. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. We, we, it's been very plot dumpy, these first five episodes. Uh, I feel like that's Dana possibly making up for the fact that she knows season three is going to be a lot shorter. I, I think it's likely that a lot of this was written before that decision. Yeah, there's that possibility as well. I, I think I think if we start seeing a very dense second part of season two, we're seeing that. Yeah. Um, um Yeah. You know what might be in, you know what might be interesting is um this feels like a Dana Terrace move. If uh, the push by fans to like extend season three doesn't go through, and we just get season three that we're getting, and she it's not the one she wanted, mm-hmm. you know that Dana is the type of person to be like, now here's what I would have done, and just like uh, like put out like a quote unquote fan fiction of <laughs> what was supposed to happen. I I feel like there's probably contractual things at the moment that would be stopping her from doing that. Yeah, for a that's while. true. Um, yeah. Yeah, because. Yeah. It sucks. 
But yeah. say la vie. It would we'll, be nice we'll if she did that, but mm-hmm. I believe there's probably legal stuff, legal reasons why she can't. She probably at least she she probably has like there's no re- legal recourse for her like talking about it. Yeah, uh, doing but, basically doing what uh, J.K. Rowling did, but people actually mm-hmm. want this information. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that in in. I'm sure that what will happen is that, like, this is, like, the most likely scenario I see. Disney doesn't hear what we have to say, and we just get that six-episode season three shows over, and it's not quite as satisfying as we would have wanted, and then Dana has, like, a big Q&A after the fact and talks about her plans for season three. You you know what I could see happening? Uh, More than... hmm. She hasn't done this since the start since Owl House started uh, production like heavy production um, mm-hmm. but she and Alex Hirsch used to do these like charity drawing streams oh yeah we could totally see something like that yeah and they would answer questions uh, on that based on donations and I could see that being a good avenue for that because if she's not working yeah. on the show anymore she probably will have time to do those again yeah, we probably see like some scenes that she had planned for season three that didn't get to make it in, and talk about some of the stuff that she wanted to happen but didn't. Yeah. And then, um, someone will compile that and the stuff we got from season three and like probably write a really good fan fiction that what she wanted or something close to it. Yeah. Which you know what, that'd be good enough for me. In in this, I'm, I'll I'll take what I can get in this world of constantly canceled really good shows. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll I'd honestly just be happy with just the info dump on a on a, like a charity stream or something like that. Oh yeah, no, yeah, the info dump. Yeah, but I would like to someone will compile it and like make something with it for sure if we get that info dump, you know. Yeah, like a comic or. A fan fiction or a combination of both. Yeah, uh, that part doesn't interest me though because it's not. Yeah, but you're not really. Her. Yeah, you're not really much of a fan fiction. Not anymore. Not anymore. Person. Yeah, that's me, and that's yeah. fine. But anyway, that's, I, uh, that's keeping up appearances. Yeah. For the record, I just don't like fan fiction as a replacement for canon. That that that's my main issue. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's or trying rooted to in that. In for canon. It, I think that's rooted in our debate. Yeah. Uh, that we had on uh, Castlevania. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, no, with my my issue there was more about how. It's. I do want to clarify what my point there was and how, in our discussion here, it doesn't have a place. Hmm. Um. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have the right to exist. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think in... I like to think we're attempting critical analysis. Somewhat. Yeah. A, a shadow of it, at least. And I don't believe fan fiction has a place in critical analysis. Mm. Um, because it's not part of the presented media. It's Well, no, that's fair. It, it, that's a reaction own... to it. Yeah, and it's its own thing and its own its own expression of um, 
fan theory and yeah. whatnot. It has its own valid. It has its own valid. It's valid and it has its own place, but it's not what we should be discussing on this show. Exactly. I agree. Okay. Oh fuck! What happened? Knocked over a can of ginger ale. Uh, Give me one moment to get some napkins. Luckily, it did not move much. It didn't hit anything electronic, and it's not spreading. (laughs) Thank God for that. Yeah, I don't know. God, I can't believe I imbibed this liquid. Uh, I'll be right back. All right. Okay. <laughs> you want that to be the the preview clip for the, for the episode? <laughs> Maybe I was go- There was something else from uh, the weeks that I was going to use, but I don't remember where. Yeah, it you, right it's now. up to you. You're the one yeah. who makes the preview clip. I honestly, I love the preview clips. They're a great little like if you want to see what the podcast is kind of about without committing to like two and a half hours of an episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I do too. It's just you know, sometimes there's a clip and sometimes there isn't. Yeah, I've enjoyed the ones we've done, though, or yeah. you've done rather. Well, a lot of them were at your suggestion, so let's mm-hmm. let's keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, through the Looking Glass Ruins. Yeah. Uh, next up is. Oh yeah, that's what that's the title you just said. Yeah, through the Looking Glass. <laughs> Excuse me while I keep screaming internally about this episode. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 uh that does a lot for the shippers out there. Uh whoo doggy. We'll get you know what, let's talk about the Gus stuff first and then we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh first off, hey, I'm really glad there was a Gus episode. Yeah, it was um, a good Gus episode. I really just kinda think people are gonna forget about the Gus elements because of the lumity that happened. It, so it's but, such a it's such a shame. Yeah. Um, I I almost wish it was the a plot to separatize instead, and the the pirate the the monster hunting episode was the b plot to this. You know, um, I agree because it really is a shame that this the Gus this is this is Gus's best outing throughout the entire show so far. Gus has kind of been absolutely. like. Kind of nothing for most of the show, and we we've talked about that. But like, he finally has a he, really good plot to himself. Yeah, he he's been the little buddy until now, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. But um, there was there was some cool lore in this episode too with the the gold. Dude, his um, illusions are scary. Or he's a good illusionist. That yeah, that last bit with the. Her turning to stone and her hands crumbling away and the blood dripping down from the statues of his face. Holy oh, shit, man. Gus. 
Yeah. Calm down, my guy. That that what? he he doesn't need a fucking Galder stone. That that that's powerful fucking magic. And the sheer footage on it also, goddamn. Oh yeah. Like that's the thing about being an illusionist that um I think Gus realizes that being an illusionist isn't about uh defeating your opponent with like raw power or using your illusions for traditional stuff. It's about if you know your opponent, being an illusionist can destroy just about anybody. Yeah. You gotta know them mentally. Yeah. But uh which I vaguely remember Mytholomew. Which episode was he from again? That was from the Human Club. Right. Right. He, he was, was the new student who was like, "No, I know the most about humans, and I, I'm I'm the the alpha dog." And... Right. Yeah. The I just forget because again, Gus has every plot point, every plot about Gus up to this point has been really forgettable. I think that's been the only other like plot element plot episode he's had really it is um like willow has had more stuff going on than he has yeah uh by the way i hope we get another willow episode in this season as well same i i i hope to see more of that um i i hope for more centered episodes on the rest of the supporting cast in general really uh yeah we've been getting a lot of Stuff with the sporting cast like Lilith and Hootie and King. I'd love something just about uh, Amira and Edric. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd love a B plot about them. Yeah. I want a uh, B plot about fucking Principal Bump. Yeah, I like Bump. I Bump's fun. I loved in the episode where he had to expel the kids, and he was like, "Oh, life was so boring without." Them. Yeah. <laughs> he was so distraught. Uh, <laughs> I, I I love Bump. He's great. Yeah, he goes from being an actual threatening presence to just oh, he's kind of lovable. Um, yeah. But um, anyway, the I don't know which is the A and the B plot in this episode because both of these plots are super important. It's na- It the episode is named after uh, Gus's plot, so that's the A plot. So yeah, Lumity, the Lumity stuff is the B-plot for once. Yeah, because it's but, more important to the overarching plot, but it's... <laughs> okay, can we, can we talk about the human shit first? Before we get into the uh, Lumity oh, shit? Oh yeah, with yeah the, with big lore shit and th- big... Th- it's yeah. Literally, my thoughts on the Lumity shit is just internal screaming. Okay, but, um, then, then the, let's just... it. It was very cute when Amity kissed Blues on the cheek and she dyed her hair lavender or pink or whatever that color is. It, it's la- it's lavender. Also, um the I loved that I love the I've I I I I really I'm probably gonna go back and watch that scene over and over again. I love that Luce was there's that moment where she just stares at her and her eyes like sparkle. Yep. It's so fucking cute. Then her knees give out. Yeah just I'm I'm imagining, like, uh, Amity just screaming into her pillow, and then the twins looking out the window, and they're like, "I think you broke her." 
and she's just <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> oh man, I can't. I can't wait. I, I can't wait yeah. for more the follow the follow up of this. Just the follow up of everything from this, but mostly because I keep expecting the next episode to be the one with the the person from Ida's past. Oh, yeah. I keep seeing the, previews the for that. And it's just like, when are we getting that? Because that's the episode I'm most looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But to get into lore and theory crafting, Willa, a mis- what was it? Th- Willoughby? Willem? Willoughby. Uh, Peter, uh, Philip, Willoughby? Willoughby? Something like that? Um, Hold on, we can look this We can look this up. Yeah. That dude's bellows. Like, just... Yeah, straight yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. That's Bellows. Like, what do we? Yeah. Like that has to be him. That that's either he is Bellows or Bellows created him. Bellows created him. I, I'm sorry, he created like, Bellows. I mean, yeah, he created Bellows. Yeah. Uh, what's his? Uh, Phil. Yeah, it's it is Philip. Okay. Um, but I don't think we have. It doesn't show the last. Oh, uh, Wittabane. Wittabane. Philip Wittabane. That, that, uh, that's either he created Bellows or he is Bellows. Yeah, he is Bellows. Like, some something went down. Or he became Bellows because Bellows is unearthly. The, the, the timeline matches up pretty strongly here also yeah. because he showed up, what, a hundred years ago? A couple hundred years ago. Yeah, and then you can imagine him... 1600s, um, who, 1600s. It's implied that it's the same, that the year is the same between human and witch realm. Yeah, and you can imagine him uh, through his search to try and get home becoming Bellos, and then something happens, and then the he tries to take power 50 years ago. Yeah. Or he did take power. Um, it's I'm very curious exactly what the details are. I don't think it's as, as simple as he is Bellos or he. There's got to be like something more to it than that, you know. Well, I I could or, see them doing a little bit of a Darth Vader where Luz ends up mm. thinking he killed Philip Will uh, Withers. Philip? Oh yeah, Luz. Yeah, Will. Yeah, killed him or something. And then he's like. <laughs> Uh, in a sense, I did kill him when I became him, or something like that. Or yeah, or, I also yes, am... Philip Withers Bottom is dead, for he became Bellows, which yeah, sounds nothing like him, but it, it it's a good villain voice. But yeah, yeah, that's that's why I, I that's kind of one of the things I like about Bellows is that he is he is threatening, but his voice is very reserved. Yeah. There's a good, easy way to answer this question. Mm. Give me one moment. Oh, are we doing anagrams of... Oh, nothing so uh, advanced. I'm checking IMDB. (laughs) Oh. Same voice of the... Yeah. I mean, his hair is the same. Yeah, but... uh... Same voice actor is uh, the, the most. Um, there is no voice. 
far as I can tell, there's no voice credit. Voice credit, yeah. Yet. Yet. But, uh, yeah, he. I'm also like I think we talked about this off podcast, but I'm really starting to think that Bellos is cursed. And yeah, the, I could see that. Drinking the palisman juice is like the thing that keeps the uh, the curse at bay. Yeah. It's something like that. I'm very curious. Um, I don't know. Also, I don't know if. You know what I really want to know? If if this guy made the door, then, like, how did he lose it? What happened? Maybe he got left behind because it's magic in nature. Hmm. No, but I mean, if he's Bellows, then, like... Oh. That's a good point. Yeah, how did, how did he lose the door? Like, what went down? Was it the battle with... King's dad, or like the whoever that was in the picture, if he that is Bellows that he's fighting, or something, right? Yeah. And he, it had to have happened sometime after or before he came into power because uh, Ida found it. No, it would have been after he came into power because Ida found it when she was young and she's like 40. So this would have been not long after Bellos came into power and formed the Emperor's Coven. Yeah. So, hmm. It could also be tied back to the doppelganger thing. Yep. Also, someone pointed this out. In the episode where they go What if the Philip co- is the doppelganger? Oh. And then Bellos is the, uh, the real one. No, 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 no. I mean, oh, like, Philip replaced Luz. Fucked up. Yeah. I'm. Um, that'd be weird. That'd be whack. Yep. But um, I was gonna say someone pointed this out, but uh, in the episode where they go to the carnival in season one, there's um, some cool foreshadowing where uh, when Luz is going through the funhouse with mirrors. There's one shot where you can see, like, a shadow loose with, like, a horrifying face. Mm. It's like, hmm. Mm. Okay, so he's voiced by Alex Lothar, who mm-hmm. doesn't do any other voices in the show. Okay, so... But he's also no, but... much young. He's Well, he's 26, so he's younger than... He could be a younger voice for... It's true for Bellos or whatever. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. Yeah, but the next episodes are Hunting Palisman and Ida's Requiem. Yes. And the only other episode we know about after that is... Uh, knock, 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 knocking knock. on Hootie's door. Yeah. So, those will be fun. Hopefully. Yep. I don't know what the Hunting Palisman one's going to be about. I know what Ida's Requiem is about, obviously, but not the Hunting Palisman. Oh, no, it's uh, Luz getting her own palisman. Yeah, it's palisman pairing day at Hexside, but Luz doesn't match with a palisman of her own and soon finds herself on an unexpected journey with a foe. I would love for Luz to get her own palisman. Yep, but on an unexpected journey with a foe. Now, does that mean the Golden Guard or Basha? 
because those are the only two that come to mind. Oh, uh, what was her name? The little gremlin monster that worked for the Emperor also. Kikimura. Kikimura? Yeah, Kikimura. Yeah. Uh, it's, probably the gold, it's probably the Golden Guard, though. I kind of hope for Basha. I hope Basha's the only other person to not get paired. Oh, uh, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, I don't want Basha Redemption Arc, but I do enjoy Basha. Um, so I do just want to see more Basha. Also, this means we get to see Amity, Willow, and Gus get Talisman. Yeah. Um, any guesses on what Luce's talisman animal is? Otter. Yeah, it's either, it's an otter or a cat. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. What do you think for the others? Mm, I think that... I think Gus is probably going to get, like, a mouse or a rat or something. I was going to say nice fox. Th- Oh, yeah, Fox, Fox Illusions. A uh, crow. A crow for Amity. Crow for Amity would work. Uh, yeah. And then... I think Badger um, would be good for Willow. Yeah, or like a beaver. Or uh, a squirrel. Yeah, a squirrel I don't really see. Squirrel doesn't really match her personality. A monkey. I don't know where you're pulling these from. What do you mean? We've seen a monkey palisman. We saw a monkey palisman in. Yeah, but I mean, I don't understand, like, your pairing process. Well, because it's just, like, related to her magic. Like, monkeys and squirrels, like, live in the trees, you know? Sure. it's It's just like an aesthetic thing. It doesn't really feel like it matches her personality, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm curious, though. Yeah. Fox for Gus looks good. Yeah. A raven for Amity. Yeah. Or, I don't know what else for Amity. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if there's a size limit on uh, talismans. Well, I mean, keep in mind what uh, Mrs. Clawthorn's. Yeah. How big her fucking. Yeah, it's a big fucking eagle hawk thing. Yeah, it's huge. So I think that might be the the size limit, at least on nor at least on witches and human sized witches, because we know that the uh, Saxon is a talisman. Yeah. We'll see. <sighs> we will see. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't got yeah, anything else. Yeah, that's upkeep. Yep. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to jump into Inuyasha. We will see you then. Now, back to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. On Acme Podcasts Incorporated. And welcome back, everybody, to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. Uh, so, yeah, Inuyasha. Let, let's, uh, let's hop into it. All right. Do you want to get your... Uh, well, I guess you want to get show info out first. And then we can. Uh, get into oh it. yeah, shit! I need to pull up the IMDb real quick. Yeah, because. Yeah, uh, I. By the yeah, way, we just... did watch. For those of you, we did watch the dub. Yeah. Many Canadian VAs in this. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, so, it's based on the manga by Rumiko Takahashi, uh, legendary mangaka. Uh, uh, primarily directed by uh, Yasunao uh, Aoki. Uh, Ma Masashi Ikeda, uh, and then, uh, okay, Aoki did, uh, 123 episodes, uh, Ikeda did 44 episodes, and then Megumi Yamamoto did, uh, two episodes, Hitoyuki Matsui did one episode, Satoshi Toba did one episode, and Naoya Aoki did an unknown amount of episodes. Um, screenplay gets uh, credited to uh, Katsuyuki Sumizawa for 32 episodes, Masashi Ikeda for 3 episodes, and Katsuhiko Chiba for an unknown amount of episodes. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you probably know the, the English voice cast better than I do. Because IMDb sticks all of the dubs together in this, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so in, in the original dub, uh, Richard Ian Cox uh, played Inuyasha. Uh, Kagome was played by Monica Story. Moroku is Kirby Moro. Songo is Kelly Sheridan. Chippo is Jillian Michaels, and Noraku is played by uh, Paul Dobson. Sashomaru was voiced by David Kay, the legendary David Kay. Hmm. Uh, Jockin is voiced by Don Brown. And we have some new characters uh, Rin, voiced by Brenna O'Brien. Kagura, voiced by Jensi Jod. Kana, also voiced by Jensi Jod. Uh, Koga, voiced by the, the one, the only, Scott McNeil. And those are like the most. Noticeable. Oh, Miyoga. All, Dobson also plays Miyoga. Okay. I did not know that. Uh, interesting. All right. Um. So before we get to my thing, I would like to just take a moment to talk about Rumiko Takahashi, specifically Please. her works. Please. Um. Her first big successful work was Urusei Yatsura, uh, which we get Lum from. People probably know Lum. Uh. Then my favorite anime, Mason Koku, is her next. My favorite anime and manga, uh, Mason Koku, comes after that. And then my favorite horror manga, uh, Mermaid Saga, uh, came after that. And that is absolutely one of my favorite of all time. Um, uh, then Ron by Half, One Pound Gospel is another good rom com. Uh, well, it's an okay rom com. Uh, she has two anthology series, uh, Rumic Theater and Rumic World, uh, but those ne I don't think those ever got animated. Uh, I don't think I Mermaid don't... Saga ever got animated either. I don't think, it, yeah, neither of those got animated. Yeah. Then came Inuyasha, and then after that was Rinne, uh, which, if I remember correctly, imagine Inuyasha and Bleach had a baby. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of feels like the middle... With a little bit of Ron Mahaff thrown in. It, it has that feeling to me. Yeah. And then I, I have not read Mao yet, so I don't really know what that's about. Uh, 
in the last episode and up until recently, I really struggled to figure out why I don't like Inuyasha. Mm-hmm. Um, because Inuyasha, I, I realize, I mean, it's Rumiko Takahashi. I know it's a good story. She's my favorite mangaka. I, I, I love everything I've read from her up until Inuyasha. I have mixed feelings about Rene because it it also didn't really hold my attention. Uh, and I still haven't read Mao. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think I kind of am starting to get a feeling of why I don't like Inuyasha. Mm-hmm. In that it it feels like a middle ground between Mermaid Saga and Ranma Half, where it's kind of doing like Japanese folklore horror type things from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but then it's also throwing in like a uh, a battle oh. rom com. Yeah, battle rom com. Yeah. And I feel like it doesn't do either as good as either of those other works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the minority here, so I I'm never going to insist that that I think that's true. I think that's just my that, that's just my opinion. Um, I think that's also me grasping for straws at trying to explain why I don't like it because I genuinely even I don't I don't even feel convinced saying that mm-hmm. uh, that's just my theory right now uh, but yeah I just I don't like Inuyasha I just can't explain it other than what I just said which I'm not even convinced by and I want to like it but I just it was such a struggle it, it's such a struggle to watch it, genuinely. Mm-hmm. And that that's my thoughts on Inuyasha. Now on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have me. Inuyasha is, unironically, one of my favorite anime of all time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I say this, again, I said no hint of irony. I adore Inuyasha. It was such a big part of my formative years. Like, I watched so much of Inuyasha when I was, like, 11, 12, 13, when it was running on Adult Swim. It re-ran into the ground. So many of these episodes and moments and lines were just, like, branded into my psyche. I have seen this anime so many fucking times. I've fallen asleep to so many of the ending themes. Uh, specifically, the one I remember most is um, one of the ones we actually saw, which was uh, the uh, second ending, Hukai Mori. Hmm. Uh, that's just a random side note, but God, the music in Inuyasha is fantastic. Uh, not just the opening and ending, but like, I genuinely The incidentals. It's it incidental, yeah. It has a great soundtrack. A lot of it's like orchestral epic yeah. music is very good the score the score yes, the score yes thank you um and i acknowledge inuyasha's flaws i'm aware inuyasha has a lot of especially after a certain point inuyasha just has a real dip 
in terms specifically like the there's that tune that really famous tsunami bumper of Inuyasha and Kagome just shouting each other's names. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that's kind of what the show turns into after a certain point when when you're focusing on Inuyasha and Kagome and it like it kind of the more interesting stuff is about all the other characters. Yeah. But early on, uh, the stuff with Kagome and Inuyasha I think is good. Ranma half has the same problems, honestly. Uh, or similar problems, but I, I think its bigger problems are different. But it, it does have a bit of that, too, because it's just... Mm-hmm. It, towards the end, you can replace Ranma and Akane with Inuyasha and Kagome, and it would still work. And yeah. reverse. The reverse, too. Yeah. Um, sorry, go on. No, 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 no. I mean, any any chance you want to say something, please, because I'm gonna fucking be going off here, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think a lot of people really write off Inuyasha as just a really bad romance, which it isn't, at least early on. No, I don't think it's not badly. early on. Not early on. It 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 starts strong and ends strong. It's the middle bit of the romance that's bad, and that's kind of the yeah. part that people remember, unfortunately. Yeah. Because um, it's probably where a lot of them dropped off. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I can, I could probably pick the exact arc where a lot of people dropped off. Um, there's an arc later on called the Band of Seven arc. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people like tuned out, and I can understand. But um, people write it off as a bad romance. But Inuyasha has so many more appealing elements other than just the romance. Like at its core, Inuyasha is is a shoujo romance. Like yes. yeah, but it also has elements like you said of action, shonen stuff, and horror. Yeah, which I think is really cool. Like I don't want to say Inuyasha is genre defying or anything like that. No, it, it 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 takes what it needs from her wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, because she's good at like folklore stories and she's good at rom-com and she's good at comedic action stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you combine those three, you take a little bit of the comedic action away and you just get sort of dramatic action. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, sorry, go on. No, again, please, do not- I, I know, I know, but I, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you my thought is over. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that Inuyasha, uh, uh, another aspect of its story that people kind of like don't really think about too much. Inuyasha is a story about like revenge. Yeah, it is at its core a revenge story. Uh, it's about revenge. It's about love and loss, loss of innocence. It's about betrayal and war. Like there are so many like overarching themes that Inuyasha has running through its core. Um, especially that of like betrayal and revenge and uh, loss of love and friendship. Because of Naraku and because of especially the plot lines with Kikyo. Yeah. And there's also like a subtle like um, sense of we've talked about found family a lot on this. There's definitely a found family aspect here, in some capacity. Yeah. But not as it's not as strong. But no. But 
they've all kind of got their own things going on, really. Yeah, that's what's interesting is that, like, there's, like, this really gradual um, growth of camaraderie between Inuyasha and his companions. Yeah. Like, at first, it's really about they're all kind of bound by this, like, want to destroy Naraku and have revenge or get the Shikone duel or what have you. Save for Shippo. Shippo's just kind of here. Yeah. Like, I love Shippo, but Shippo... Naraku, Sango, Kagome, and Inuyasha all have the reasons for being here. Shippo just kind of tags along because we kind of need a comic relief character, I guess, even though everybody's, yeah, he, everybody's kind of a goofball. He's there to be a mascot. He's there to be... Uh, like a little brother type character for Kagome. He, he's he's there so Kagome has someone to talk to other than Miyoga. Yeah, or Sango. <laughs> while all the fighting. Or Sango. Well, no, I mean like while all the fighting is going While everybody Sango's... else is fighting. Yeah, yeah, Sango can fight. Yeah, I love Sango. Yeah. Um, but the, um, it, the, that relationship slowly becomes like I said, a genuine friendship. Yeah. That kind of like that growth of genuine friendship actually kind of coincides with um, Inuyasha's own arc about um, accepting help from others, being more vulnerable, not being as much of an asshole. Yeah, for sure. I think the first like real hard example is um, when, I don't remember if it's the first or second time when Kohaku shows up again, and Inuyasha is it at first himself he's like we should just kill him right like who cares he's in public Naraku, whatever but then at the end of that two-parter when sango is like i'm just gonna leave it's i'm nothing but trouble and he's like what are you talking about can't leave and it's like in his own way it's like you gotta stay we're friends but you know inuyasha would never say that yeah because that's just who he is um uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, there was another thing. The, one thing I am kind of sad about, uh, this is talking specifically about season one, is that I'm kind of sad there aren't more plot lines that take place in Kagome's time. Because I think yeah. the one, the, the two from season one are actually some of the more interesting episodes. Because um, it, it, it's, it's a nice little break of pace. Um,. It's nice to see her outside of the stranger in a strange land setting. Mm-hmm. It, it's nice to see her just be a normal kid for a little bit. Yeah. Um, like the the no mask and the spirit piper episodes are some of the better ones early on. Yeah. Especially the spirit piper one. I really like that one a lot, actually. Yeah. Um. Then, um, something I really, this is just, like, sort of, like, more meta talking about, like, since I was talking about season one, season two, like, so many plot elements and characters are introduced in season two. Like, yeah, it, a lot of stuff that I thought would have been later in the series is in season two. Yeah, I did too. I, for some reason, I kept thinking, like, oh, yeah, we won't see that character until season three. Koga? Yeah, Koga. I didn't. Yeah. I forgot Koga showed up this early. Yeah. Uh, it's... Same with uh, Naraku and his uh, incarnation. Yeah. 
uh, Kagura and uh, Kana and Goshinki and that whole plot line with Goshinki shattering Tetsaiga and all that. I thought that was later. Yeah. It feels later in the manga, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it does. The manga's pacing is probably very different than the anime. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a good person to comment on it because I always... I always feel like the manga dragged, because and that I, I'm not I, I can't really comment on the actual pacing of it. I cannot be objective in it. No, I I, I don't think that's just an, a manga problem. I think one of the problems with Inuyasha is its pacing. Mm. There are mo- there are many times, even early on in Inuyasha, where I say that Inuyasha is still good, where it's just like, oh please, something happened. Okay, let me rephrase this. Uh-huh. Um, it's not so much that. It It's more like I only made it up to Koga in the manga once, and that's when I was... The first time I tried reading it. Yeah. Back when I was in middle school. Every other time I've tried reading it, I've never made it up to Koga's introduction. Mm-hmm. So it always feels much further down the line than I think it is. Yeah. I... I... I genuinely think that season two is kind of where the show kind of actually starts to hit its stride because of all these interesting, the 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 interwoven aspect of this plot kind of comes like all these characters are like they're very like there's a if you like made a plot web of character connections of Inuyasha it'd be a really fucking complicated one. Yeah. Like especially when you start having Sashomaru involved. So Shomaru starts having stuff with like other characters, not just Inuyasha. Uh, especially after yeah. basically this this season is the start of Shoshomaru's like arc as a character. Like early on he's just he's just Virgil. <laughs> basically, yeah. Basically. Like Devil May Cry and Devil May Cry 3 specifically. It's just so... There's so much of Inuyasha that it takes from. It's not even funny. The two brothers, the the sword, the one is hot-blooded, one is cool-blooded. One is all about, like, yeah, full demon booyah, you know? It, one is literally wearing red. Yeah. It, it, it's, um... They're somewhat contemporaries, really. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. But, um, and this is just, this might be my own personal bias speaking, but, um, I, again, Sashomaru is, I think his arc is interesting, but again, it's not, this is only the start of it, uh, just because I love Sashomaru. <laughs> yeah. He was always my favorite character, and I had a, well, I say I had, I still have a huge crush on him. <laughs> He's very handsome. But um, the other thing, there's like so many other aspects, not even just characters, but like, like I said, Naraku's incarnations, like Kagura. Kagura becomes a big player later on. Um, and a lot of these plot threads that get introduced in the season, like some of them don't even pay off until like the end of the show. Um, like uh, Kagura's hatred for Naraku and like this like she wants to betray him somehow. 
that that kind of becomes an overarching thing for her and but that doesn't come until to a real head until later on not until the end but like later on in the show and then like we also get a lot of um, <coughs> a lot more of the of the world is fleshed out and it's lore mm-hmm. specifically um the stuff with uh Tetsaiga and Tensega and uh the uh, introducing the idea of the underworld and uh, that whole deal and the, the spirits of the underworld that stuff like that stuff becomes super important later on and uh, Koga also becomes like I said he becomes like an important character and keeps showing up um, Naraku I'm just kind of jumping all over the place but um, Naraku I think is actually a great villain and his the like kind of going off of plots that kind of don't pay off until later him being half demon and wanting to get rid of his human self is something that he will struggle with throughout the show and again won't come to a head until near the end yeah uh, I do feel like Naraku is what all the 80s villain, like 80s cartoon villains are trying to actually be, but were neutered because it has to be for kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he just feels a little cartoonish to me in his, like, the, the intent behind him, but the actuality of him is... Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. No, no, you, you kind of hit it, really, because another aspect that people will dig on Inuyasha after a certain point is that Naraku after a certain point kind of becomes I'll get you next time Inuyasha yeah you know like because of he just keeps constantly like failing to kill Inuyasha and it, it, it like he doesn't say that but it's just like there's that feeling of like ah next time Inuyasha I'll get you how dare you thwart my plans I, I recently what would really drove that home for me this time is I recently watched um, the Blu-ray intro to uh, G.I. Joe the movie. Mm. Uh, not the live action one, the one from the 80s. Oh yeah, um, that, I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like, this guy feels like who Cobra Commander wants to be. Yeah. Uh, that it. This just feels like a less fun Cobra Commander, basically. Yeah, Naraku is effective, but he doesn't have a lot of personality. He has a lot of menace. He's very effective at what he does. He's a great schemer. But, yeah, you're correct. He doesn't have as much personality as uh, other villains of his category. That That's kind of a lot of my problem with a lot of the antagonists. In, not, not the week-to-week, like, villain of the week antagonist, but... I know Seshimaru has a lot going on, but he just kind of feels like a dead fish a lot because he's so muted. Oh yeah, no, that's a completely fair criticism. Um, it, and I, I guess Virgil character, Virgil type characters in general have a little bit of that, but at least Virgil has a little bit of Dante sass also. Oh yeah, no. Oh, um, Seshimaru's just a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Uh, he he's just catty 
so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though he's a dog. <laughs> um, oh my god. What? He's a Shiba Inu. Yeah. The most cat-like of dogs. He is. I mean, if you did, you saw his dog form. It's very, very fluffy, and yeah. Sheba Wolf esque. Yeah, it it just didn't drive home until this moment. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I when I call it, just it just didn't drive home until I called him Caddy. Um, but he, Caddy's not even really a good word. He's just kind of a dead fish. But yeah. I know he has a lot going on, and I, I think that's part of why I don't much care for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's- yeah, you're you're valid for that. I'm not. I'm I'm fully willing to just be like, yeah, no, my bias for Shishomaru may be completely personal. Oh uh, no, 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 no! It it's not. I know. I was the weird one in my circle because I was the one who just couldn't get into Inuyasha, and I kept telling everyone, you know, like you got to look at her other stuff, man. Like her other stuff's fucking phenomenal, and they're the. Yeah, sure, but Inuyasha, man. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I was definitely, you know, the odd man out on that one. Um, no. Uh, but that that's, again, just a personal opinion, because, like, I, I know Inuyasha is good. Um, it's just not for me. But my point is... Uh, it's so atypical of her writing to have these dead fish antagonists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's maybe... It's very... Inuyasha is very different from her other works, and I think that's probably... If I had been introduced to Inuyasha first, I probably wouldn't like her other stuff as much. Yeah. That's my takeaway. That You know what? That might be a... Yeah, and to be fair, uh, like, again, Naraku, like... like like I said, he's very good at scheming. He has a lot of, like, fingers and a lot of pies. And he drives the plot forward. But, yeah, he's he is, like, in terms of personality, yeah, he is kind of just a dead fish. And a lot of the other incidental villains are just generic demons. And, like, so, uh, you know what? That might be why I latch onto Sushumaru so much. Yeah. Or when, when I did, or when I did at the time. It's because he has the most going on in terms of being an antagonist. Yeah. Oh, he definitely and, does, yeah. Even though he kind of becomes more of a detour antagonist after a certain point. After a while, he kind of, like, correct me if I'm wrong, he kind of, like, almost becomes like a Dinobot-type character. You yeah, know what I mean? basically. Yes. Yeah. That is, that is a perfect... Yes. He... He, if he doesn't go good, he just, like, begrudgingly helps them. Yeah. Because it's also... his Their goals just happen to align with his own. Yeah. Because, obviously, Sashomaru is gonna... Uh, at certain points, Sashomaru wants to fucking kill Naraku just like everybody else. And that's... Okay, not to give too much away, but that's one of my favorite things that kind of comes to a head with Inuyasha. Is... Mm-hmm. To show, is that Naraku, when, when they have their the final battle, it's like Naraku is like, oh, I pissed off everybody, didn't I? <laughs> like he has that realization that he like 
backstabbed a little, a few too many people, and they all want him dead. He's like, I, oh, I've made a grave mistake. <laughs> if this was Ron Mahaff, I could picture the expression that she would draw for that oh, scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but because I don't know what fucking Naraku's actual... F- Every time I think of Naraku, I just think of that first appearance with the monkey skin. Yeah, I, by the way, it's such an iconic look. Yeah. The, the baboon pelt is a really good look. Yeah. Like, that's one uh, thing I'll say about Inuyasha is that it has all a great design. It really does, yes. Um, I think the only design I don't really like in this show is more or less Inuyasha's weird, like, I, I don't know, like, I feel like he just needed a little bit more different colors on him. Yeah, to break up the red. You're not wrong. He needed, yeah, he like, needed like, an accent color. Just give his pants a different color. Yeah, something. Or make put, like, accents on his sleeves or something. Anything to break up all that red. Yeah. I mean, he's got the slits on his arms where the mm. white pokes through from his uh, undergarment. I think he always looks better when he has the um, the overcoat off and it's just, like, the yellow undershirt with the pants. Yeah. I think it always looks better that way. Yeah. Um, and I always like Sango's look, like, a lot. Like, both of her... Like yeah, outfits. that like bodysuit thing. Yeah, yeah, very good. And then like Moroku is just like monk guards, but like I like the colors on them. I really like the look of Japanese monks in general. Yeah. Um, and the monks or priests or whatever. yeah, yeah, monk priests. I was obsessed with the the staff he carries when I was younger. It's I was obsessed cult. with the yeah. That style of staff with the like little clunky rings on it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what that's called, but I was I don't either. Yeah, I was obsessed with that style of staff when I was I know it's like a priest staff, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, My little weeaboo ass was obsessed with it. And the I love Sashomaru's design, but like he has he's like the exact opposite of Inuyasha, where he he's too busy. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say I'm surprised you like his design because it's way too busy. It's Actually, like, no, I shouldn't be surprised because you kind of like busy design. I, 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 I can dig busy designs if they... Like, if you know what the funny thing is? is I'm My opinion is clearly colored by my personal bias, and I'm not willing to admit that. Yeah. Like, I probably wouldn't like Sashomaru's design if I didn't like his character so much. Yeah. It's very busy that the sash, the arm, like the weird feather boa thing he has. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it would work if he just didn't have the big fur thing. Yeah. Or if the fe- if the fur thing was like used in a different way. Like if yeah. it was a cape or something. Yeah. Like his, his, his dad in human form has like a a cape with like fur trim on it and I think that yeah. that works better but you don't really Ugh. see the, the dad's human form until you watch the third movie yeah um one other thing I did want to talk about mm-hmm. was that um Inuyasha despite its flaws does have some genuinely heartfelt emotional moments in its writing 
Like, okay. It's there are two ones I think of specifically, like in season two. One is when Songo is resolved to kill her own brother and then kill herself. Mm. I remember watching that for the first time. Genuinely heart wrenching. Yeah. Killed me. Painful to watch. Yep. The other one is um near the end of season two. Uh after Inuyasha slays all those bandits, and when Kago when he thinks nobody's watching, he's just furiously scraping his hands in the river, trying to stop them from smelling like blood. Mm. And he 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 hates it. He just he he says it's disgusting, but he can't wash it off because his sense of smell is so strong. Yeah. And then the moment that Kagome shows up, he tries to put up his walls, but showing again showing his character development at this point, he when Kagome is like just like be honest, tells him be honest, he finally is he 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 is allowed to be vulnerable. Yeah, and I think that's a genuinely good scene. And Inuyasha has like a, a here and there it has small, very tender well-written moments like that that are scattered throughout this story about revenge and blood and like weird goofy comedy yeah I, I yeah yeah and that's and that's that's my spiel on Inuyasha really okay uh wow I went on for a lot longer than I would considering it was just it was kind of just me taking the mic on that yeah, well, I mean, you kind of had to because I, I just don't. No, I. It's fine. I, I've let you know, but yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I have no qualms. I I also have no qualms with anybody who doesn't like Inuyasha because I know Inuyasha has so many flaws. Yeah, but I love it. Yeah. No, I I totally get it. Um. Yeah. Hmm. That's uh. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and upon our return, we're going to close this bitch out. We will see you then. Now back to the show. Do you see how your patience paid off? And welcome back for the last time this episode to Acme Podcast Inc. And, uh, you know, um, before we get on with closing this, I would actually really like to get your opinion on Ron Mahath, if you, if you've seen Oh, Yeah. Um, I, what I've, I do, Ron Mawana have is funny, and I, I do find it charming, but it's, it's really raunchy humor, just doesn't do it for me. Ah, okay. See, I, th- I find her raunchy humor is her strong point, personally. Uh, it, it's one of her stronger points. That and her yeah, um, that's probably what I like about her writing the most when she mm-hmm. gets to be raunchy humor because that's that's sort of the wheelhouse she lived in for a long time up until in Yasha. Yeah, um, uh, Urusai Yatsura and Rama one half are both very much in that 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 thing. Mason Akoku too. Mason Akoku fits into that as well, though mm-hmm. it 
it, it's mostly just to break up the romantic, uh, the love triangle drama a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Mermaid Saga has none of that. Uh, Mermaid Saga has some nudity in it, but it, it's really like a horror. Uh, horror, a little bit tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's really good, though. It's, it's real solid. I really suggest that one. Um, you can see a lot of the bones of the more dramatic stuff in Inuyasha in that, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then Rene feels very derivative of Inuyasha to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels like it, it it's going for the same vibe as that, but with a set in a modern setting with a, a bleach sort of dynamic mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, anyway. That's the show. Yeah, that's the show. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, well, you know, before you get in contact with us, we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review yeah. over on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're get, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, also, rank, it, rank us on your ham radio, whatever. Yeah. Uh, tell a friend too. You know, yes. uh, spread the word of mouth. We we need to rely on that somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Any input and uh, criticism are greatly appreciated. Yeah, and you can direct that input uh, to our email at acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. I repeat, that's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Kai, can I get that email back? That's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you, if you don't want to email us, you can also get at us. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, just took a look at the email. There's nothing there for that. Uh, we got nothing coming in there. But if you wanted to get in contact with us uh, in a different way other than email, you can find us on Twitter at, at Inc. Podcast. That's at I-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. And Kai, where can they find us on Tumblr? You can find us on Tumblr at acnepodcasts.tumblr.com. That's acnepodcasts.tumblr.com. Uh, and it looks like there are no ass this week. There was Already? last week. It was there was last week, but say love you. Say love you. Uh, but yeah, that's how you get in contact with the show. If you want to get in contact with us individually, Kai, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Tumblr. No, uh, well, Twitter. I usually go with Twitter for you. Can find me on Twitter at kaiju underscore emperor. That's K A I J U underscore E M P E R O R. Uh, you can also find me on Tumblr. Kaiju dash emperor, but the exact same way. And that's just retweets, reblogs, uh, things I like. Uh, nothing like usually art, animation stuff, whatever I'm hyper fixating on, dumb memes. But if you want something original uh, from me, I have a side blog called Kai's Tome. That's K A I S T O M E. And that's usually where I reblog tabletop things, but also post my own tabletop things, like mainly my 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, uh, homebrew stuff like monsters, magic items, and subclasses. Alright. You can find me on Twitter at at TurboHoncho, that's at T-U-R-B-O-H-O-N-C-H-O at TurboHoncho. And that's really it for hanging in contact with me, other than you know, our Twitter or our email. 
Um, so until next time, don't be a jackass. We'll see you then. Bye.